You're listening to Lanyap, a weekly digest of news, personal finance, brotherly banter, and whatever else is on our minds. From Stokes Family Office. All right. It's March 1st, 2024, Lanyap Podcast. Greg and Doug Stokes. Um, another good month in the markets. We we're just talking before we hit record. It's definitely risk on in the world these days. Um, Bitcoin's climbing back towards its all-time high. AI stocks, uh, people can't get enough of them. Celsius, which is an energy drink, is like the new monster beverage. See people that were, uh, you know, were hot in 2021 on on financial Twitter that were basically silent for the last two years are coming out of the woodworks and talking about robotics and and all of the. Uh, uh, new wave technology that's coming along, and so um, you know everything. Bitcoin, yeah, I, yeah. I already talked. I said Bitcoin already. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, the risk appetite is is high, and um, and we're back to uh, the same sort of sentiment sentiment that we had during 2021. And so we'll see where the markets go are going. Uh, from a from a data perspective, Ryan Dietrich is is really good at just. Uh, uh, conceptualizing everything and and bringing people to back down to earth. Although this is a positive uh, tweet that he had, he said, "Wow, this might upset a lot of the bears." But here it goes: when the S and P five hundred is higher in both January and February, did you know the average twelve months have been higher twenty seven out of twenty eight times since nineteen fifty? Average return of fourteen point eight percent. So um, the the sentiment is very bullish, and also the data is very bullish. Um, you know, one thing that is is likely to occur that um, doesn't necessarily mean the end of the world. Uh, we should expect each year to have some sort of drawdown. Uh, the average intra-year drawdown, as as per J.P. Morgan in a chart that we show clients all the time, is about fourteen percent. And so, even if you have a positive year in the markets, expect some sort of volatility. We really haven't had much of that uh, in about six months, and so. Um, anyway, even if uh, the near-term outlook is bullish, expect volatility. We probably ne- do need a, a bit of a washout to get some of these people that were uh, hot in 2021 that are starting to come back out of the woodworks just back uh, in their caves. But uh, anyway, what's your what's your view on the sentiment these days, Greg? It's definitely risk on. We talked. I just we mentioned Bitcoin twice in the intro, but the these uh, what are they called? The board the board ape yacht club. Uh, what are those things called? The the images that are yeah, on NFTs. the block and yeah, the NFTs are starting to become a thing again, meaning that people trade literal uh, virtual images that are one of a kind, but they're virtual, so anybody can save it and reproduce it, and it's the exact same thing. And they're trading at um, multi-year highs as well too, and for hundreds of thousands of dollars. So there's just a lot of risk on sentiment. We talked about last week. We have an older client who we know, we know is not going to be listening to this podcast, but he's, he talked about wanting to invest in A1 um, in, instead of uh, AI. So there's there's just sentiment that's that's very um, risk on and people want to, wanting to put money to work and buy things that are going up without really understanding the, the actual fundamentals. And that's just indicative of really, uh, you know, risk on behavior. And, and that's reflected in the, in the overall markets. And you're right, eventually we're going to have a correction in the markets. It's just the, the, the nature of things. 
if you look back at history, you get like a, a 10% correction every once every year or so on average, 20% correction happens every three years or so. Um, but if you have enough time in the market, this, I thought this is really interesting. This is Ben Carlson. He posted that if you had bought into the S&P 500 at the peak before the 2008-2009 um, crash, the markets were ended up, ended up being down like 56% or something like that at one point in time. But if you had bought right before that at the peak till now, your average annual rate of return in the S&P 500 over the last 15 years or whatever, 16 years, has been 9.5%. So even if you bought at the peak, you're doing great Even and you got halved right after that. Um, but that's really just a, that's indicative of the of the old saying that's that's time in the market, not timing the market, um, because you're going to deal with a lot of stuff along the way. And even if you get chopped in half like that, um, you can if history is any guide, if you have enough time, things will end up working out. Yeah, and I think I mean the question is why are the vibes the way they are right now? And I think um, there's a couple pieces of data that. Um, sort of back the the positive vibes in the market and in the economy. This is Apollo's chief economist, Torsten Slock. He said, the Fed will not cut rates in 2024. The reality is that the U.S. economy is simply not slowing down. And the Fed pivot has provided a strong tailwind to growth since December. The bottom line is that the Fed will spend most of 2024 fighting inflation. Um, and so that's been really the news this week, uh, the core PCE. Uh, which is the Fed's uh, preferred measure of inflation, came a little bit hotter than expected. Um, inflation is seemingly rearing back up, although I would uh, caution that uh, the data is very noisy, and, and I, I still fully expect inflation to come back down to target this year, um, simply because of the housing component here. But uh, but all that really means is that we talked last year and the year before about hard la landing, soft landing, and real, the reality is that there, there's likely, at least with the data today, to be a no landing scenario on the table, meaning the economy just revs back up. Uh, Ryan Dietrich posted something else that's really interesting. He says stocks are up because Janet it, stocks are up because Janet Yellen pushes a special button, or Pal prints money to tell us no. Stocks are up because we are looking at a major jump in productivity and earnings per share over the coming years. And he has a chart. Uh, S&P 500 uh, bottoms up our earnings per share, actual and estimates going back to 2012. Uh, 2022, $209 a share. 2023, $220 a share. 24, up another 10%, $242 a share. 25 estimates, up another 10% from there, $275 a share in uh, earnings per share estimates for the S&P 500. Of course, a recession can derail that, but why are stocks up? Because the expectation expectation of a recession is actually becoming uh, diminished, and earnings are are geared up to uh, increase in twenty four and twenty five. Stock prices reflect earnings over the long run. Stock prices are up. Right, and there's all these p uh, potential positive catalysts on the table. Um, AI potentially could make things more efficient, and that could add. Uh, increased profits to companies and that could increase earnings per shares in the in the future um there is a potential that there's a eventual end to the russia ukraine conflict china china looks like they're trying to re-enter the global economy again so there's all these definitely these and then all the while seven stocks have really carried the the market and so you've got the rest of the other 493 companies in the sp 500 or 
whatever 2000 companies elsewhere or 3000 companies elsewhere in the total market in the United States and around the world that haven't done a whole lot. So there's their valuations are reasonable on the whole. Um, and there's a lot of positive momentum. And then on the other side of the equation, interest rates, if you, if you're in the market to buy bonds, you can get 4% or whatever on a 10 year treasury or 5% on a short, short term. So you're getting all this, there's, you weren't able to get anything basically two or three years ago. I was reading old correspondence that we had sent out from 2021 about how the 10-year treasury is 1% at that point in time. Now you can get 4.3%. So there's just a lot of reasons to be happy as an investor right now um, in in, uh, in stocks and bonds. Real estate really hasn't, real estate's kind of lagged, but if, if interest rates get cut, conceivably, real estate's going to become a, a more attractive asset class. So there's really a lot of things to that, that make me feel really optimistic about the overall economy um, from the perspective of an, of an investor as well, too, and, and stocks, bonds, real estate. Um, I, obviously, we just talked about this again. Something's going to happen where the system's going to uh, break or gonna, the market's going to get nervous or whatever, and you just have to expect that that's going to happen. And so the nature of things. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's that's the, the old Morgan Housel comment to us, which I think was something that we have to consider every time we're talking in, in a period of optimism to hedge that optimism that you should expect the market to break about once a decade. Uh, we had our last breakage in 2022, before that in 2020. Before that, really, it was you know 10 years uh, until the previous breakage. But about once a decade, expect something bad to happen. And so long as you have that expectation and plan accordingly and design a portfolio with that in mind, then, um, then you should be all right. You mentioned uh, AI and uh, the pot- potential productivity gains there. Uh, I didn't have this in our doc, but this is a great article from Professor Scott Galloway about um, what he calls corporate ozempic. And basically, the idea of the article was that there was just so much uh, labor gains in sp- specifically to the technology sector in 2021 and 2022. Everybody hired like crazy. There were companies like Google, uh, maybe I uh, know Facebook doubled their workforce in three years. And all of a sudden you have this period of digestion in 2022. The market doesn't want growth anymore. The market wants efficiency. And so you had this major reduction in headcount in 2023. But the funny thing is that you would expect a headcount reduction to be coupled with a declining sales and declining earnings environment. And uh, he has this chart, and we'll we'll post it to the show notes, of the change in headcount versus the annual net income for 2023, starting with Accenture, then BlackRock, and Cisco, all the way down to IBM. And basically, you had this reduction of anywhere from 2% to 13% for, for uh, Facebook or Meta, and you had this major increase in net income across these companies. And what he's saying is that the companies are, are not explicitly stating this, but implementation of AI... Uh, across these companies is his rationale for why net income and productivity is increasing while headcount is decreasing. And this is going to be something that's uh, seen uh, corporate-wide across a lot of publicly traded companies over the coming decade, where uh, efficiency will be the name of the game and that AI is going to do a lot of replacement of uh, you know of, of jobs. And, uh, and revenues and earnings will increase while headcount goes down. That that sounds negative, and it is it is negative for those people that are going to be losing jobs. But for people that are equity holders, 
margin expansion by virtue of using technology increases earnings. Earning increases uh, over the long run increase the price of stocks. So that's just another uh, just feather in the cap of uh, of those people that are stock investors that are looking at price to earnings ratios and, and trying to figure out where is the earnings growth going to come from. Totally, and and things are never as good, never turn out as good or as bad as as, as uh, people hope. At least that's just generally what humanity's experienced. And AI will probably be like that as well too. Meaning that it's not going to we're not going to be beholden to the computers as slaves or whatever. But we're also not going to be um, uh, things are not going to be just so efficient, and all jobs are going to be eliminated. The way that I see it is, it's going to be a situation where things are just a lot more efficient, especially really systemized jobs or tasks, which I'm really excited about. And if that means somebody loses a job in a call center, for example, but I don't have to wait on hold for 20 minutes, then so be it. And that's actually, there was a company that reported earnings recently and, and AI is being put into place in that right now. And and this particular company was down like 26% after hours. Um, wait, having to wait on hold to change a flight or whatever for 20 minutes or an hour or whatever, if you can have a computer do that, they, so you don't have to talk to an actual human being. I think that's a that's a huge win. Um, but again, it's never going to be as good or as bad as, as people hope. And, and the most recent sort of mania, in, and I'm not calling this a mania yet, but I mean, there's some some signs that there's definitely some mania going on, at least uh, on the surface. But the most recent mania, I guess, besides cryptocurrency, was the whole electric car um, mania. Um, and this is really interesting. This is Rivian. I've got a couple of pieces on this, but Rivian at one point, which makes electric cars, lost $4.7 billion in 2021. And this is me quoting a tweet. Um, but investors look past this during the mania of valuing the company at $153 billion. So they lost $4.7 billion in 21, um, but they were valued at $153 billion. Today, investors seem to care about profits again, with Rivian valued at $9 billion after posting a $6.8 billion loss in 2022 and a $5.4 billion loss in 2023. I, hope that, I hope that company sticks around because the cars are really cool, but, um, but you got to I mean, figure out a way to make them. Uh, <laughs> so you actually make money when you sell them and you're not spending $200,000 to, to sell a hundred thousand dollar car. Those, those numbers just don't work when venture capital and, and investors are not really eager to pour money uh, in an environment where interest rates are five percent, it's like it's uh, it's just not that type of environment anymore. And also, in that same line, Apple, which had been pursuing and has essentially like an endless well of cash. I mean, I think I don't know what their cash position is, but they're it's something like five hundred billion dollars of cash. It's a three trillion dollar market cap. They've been investing heavily in electric cars, and over the last decade, and they recently uh, eliminated their electric car program. They were going to build an Apple car. Um, Tesla is down 44% from its peak. Lee Auto, uh, BYD, which is a, a Buffett backed company, is down um, 25%. There, it's just that the whole electric car, uh, the, every, the whole impression of the market um, three or four years ago was that electric cars were going to change the world. Plug power is down significantly. They were building infrastructure for plugging in cars. And if, if you've driven an electric car, they're really cool 
but they have a lot of limitations. And specifically, if you live in a big city, trying to plug it in is a pain. Um, and if you dry, have to drive anywhere outside of the range of the car, it's an absolute pain, especially if you're if it's if it's cold. And um, this is something I found really interesting. This is a snippet from an article, and I'm going to read a little bit of it. Norway is the one of the wealthiest countries in the world with a per capita GDP of $106,000 in 2022. Despite its imp impressive wealth, the government must still f uh, financially incentivize uh, citizens to purchase EVs. And the, the moral of the story is that uh, Norway has, there's basically, I think something like two out of every three cards sold nowadays is a, uh, an electric vehicle. Um, and even though they've, this, and this has been going on for several years, but even though there's been a massive reduction in the sales of uh, internal combustion engines, there's still uh, way, there's still more electric cars in Norway today than there were 10 years ago. Um, and, and when they reduce subsidies on, on cars, the, um, the, the p number of people purchasing them go down. And most families in Norway apparently have one, uh, car that is an in internal combustion engine and one that's an EV and the whole, whole article details how the reason behind that is, is that it's a, it's just not practical to take a, a car, a, a, uh, electric vehicle into the country, into the mountains, et cetera, just because, of the limitations that I was talking about in terms of uh, temperature. I, and, I don't and know. Range. I don't know why hybrids are not more of a thing. Like, why do we have to go full electric? I have a hybrid. Uh, it's great. Yeah. So, you know, have, if you're like, for example, we live in new Orleans and we drive probably what, 15 miles a day, mm -hmm. um, 20 miles a day, max, like that could be fully electric. And then when you're on the road, you can have your, your gas kick in. I just don't understand why, uh, that is not more popular than trying to go full EV. But I think New Orleans is an anomaly, though, just because we're it's there. I don't have you and I don't have to get onto an interstate to come to work, which is not in any other big city. It's that's more of a, a uh, way of life. It's one of the good things about living in New Orleans. Actually, I was actually talking to my wife about that. Uh, we a couple of days ago, I brought my both of my kids to go to different schools and different part different parts of town, and I dropped the kids off at school and was at work in like under thirty minutes or something like that. And I was thinking to myself, where else could that happen? In any, in any like big city in the country where you can um, go to two different parts of town and end to work in under thirty minutes and be like uh, completely unheard of in any sort of big city in Texas, for example. Yeah. So anyway, um, before we wrap up, I wanted to uh, a couple things that are just amazing to me. Um, this is Charlie Bellello. He says the U.S. bond market has now been in a drawdown for 43 months, by far the longest bond bear market in history, uh, peak to trough, negative 17%. The next worst bear market in bond market history, 16 months. Uh, this has just been unbelievable. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been so crazy. The vibes are good, but I mean, uh, for the 60-40 portfolio, 40% of your, your uh, portfolio in a drawdown for going on four years. But how awesome is it that you can now just get that's basically means that yields have gone up over the last basically yields have gone up for the last 43 months, which has been painful if you own bonds, obviously. But how awesome is it that you now can get four and five percent on something that was paying nothing basically a few years ago? A big chunk of your portfolio was earning nothing. Now it's earning four or five percent guaranteed. Um, so that's that's just that's a, I, I want to harken back on what I said earlier, how, how, how awesome that side of the equation is. Along with the other, uh, there's optimism uh, on a lot of different um, sides of the equation. But that's obviously when there's optimism, that also breeds speculation. And, and there's definitely 
the, the familiar faces of speculation or, or in terms of cryptocurrency, um, JPEGs that are trading of, of apes and all this stuff are trading at ridiculous valuations. AI, uh, and then I'm sure EVs will make a comeback here. Um, do you think next- so? Yeah, I don't know. I think that might that one might be. Uh, you know what I saw was really funny is uh, you know Kathy Wood, uh, who's ran, who runs the Arc Innovation ETF. Yeah. The whole idea behind this particular ETF, it was like the biggest, was the second biggest ETF at one point in time. Yeah, held um, during Tesla. COVID. Yeah, they own Tesla. I, I was looking at this. So at one point, so this whole the whole premise of this ETF is that the and this 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 uh, woman who's uh, it was basically all over CNBC or whatever, and she raised a ton of money. Um, and for this strategy was that she the whole idea was that she would pick companies that would be the innovators of the tomorrow and and during covid it ended up being like the second or third biggest etf it was, at one point it was it was at in december of of uh or january of 2020 was $51 a share got up to $156 at one point in time and now is back to $51 a share but she was buying um companies that were uh were essentially uh ones that she perceived would be the innovators and it was a lot of uh, electric cars um genomics companies etc but she's she completely missed the ai um uh phase and she got but she was invested in coinbase and when it was ipo'd and all this stuff so um just goes to show that that um one one person's impression of what the the innovation is going to be um is might be completely might basically completely miss the boat and and uh kathy would completely missed the boat on this but you know who didn't hasn't missed the boat is nancy pelosi she's been she's been an incredible investor um so anyway there's there's winners and losers um in terms of uh what in terms of speculation about what the future is going to be um and one's have been a winner and one's been a loser yep well thanks for joining uh this is lanyap podcast give us a five-star review and we hope you have a great weekend and we'll be back next week Thanks for listening to this episode of Lanyap. This podcast is brought to you by Stokes Family Office. If you liked this episode, consider sharing it with a friend. You can subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about Stokes Family Office and Lanyap, visit us at stokesfamilyoffice.com. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.